Didn't our, didn't our tech team do a great job? That's awesome, great job. Um, I was kind of laughing because just before I came up here, Justin came up to me and said, he's got to go and run and help the babies because we've got so many babies. Isn't that awesome? I feel sorry for those babies, though. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What a trooper. That's the kind of guy we're looking for. Well, I just want to say welcome to everybody, and I am so glad that you're here. I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. It's so good to have you here. So this morning, we're beginning a brand new series, okay? And it's in the, in the book called Esther. And so I want you to know that I'm really excited about this series because this series is going to change your life. I promise you. The question is, is will you be ready for what God has for you? And that's kind of where we're going to go. So what I want to do is I want to just kind of start out with where we are right now. And I don't know about you, but I have a real hard time with this time of the year. Anybody else with me on that? And here's what I mean. Last Monday, it was 71 degrees, right? And then during the week, two times I counted, it got below zero, and the wind chill was almost 20 below. It never got above 30. And then on top of it, it snowed. The nights are still long. The days are short, right? And it just seems like Mother Nature is just playing with me. You know why I have a time, time, hard time with this? Because I am so done with winter. Now, here's what I want to say to you, though. You know why I'm so done with winter? Because I want to see life again. I want to see the grass turn green. I'm looking forward to those warm summer day, or warm winters or pff, warm spring days that I know are right around the corner, right? I'm even looking forward to that first time I get to mow my yard. You know why? Because there's nothing better than the smell of freshly cut grass. Right, guys? I don't know why they haven't developed a perfume that smells like that, but anyways. But I just need you to know is that I, every time I look outside now, and I just see the grass, the color it is, and the grayness of the sky, and I just think, I am so done with winter. Is it winter where you're at? Is it dark? Are you just kind of in a place that just kind of seems to be all gray and all fogged up? I heard a story about two men that had been friends for over 50 years. They went to breakfast every morning. One of the men said, one of the friends said to me, he goes, you know, my wife asked me what I want to eat every day. It was quiet, and the other man replied, my wife asked me who I am. Let me ask you this. When was it that you figured out in your life that your life wasn't going exactly the way you had it planned. You never thought you'd be without your spouse. You never saw that divorce coming. You certainly never thought you would lose a job or have the financial issues that you're going through. You never expected to lose that loved one, and now you're trying to just life without them. And maybe it's some other unforeseen circumstance, but you're just in a real hard place. And maybe you're like me. We're so sick and tired of COVID 
We want to move on and we want to get on with life, right? I want you to know that if you're in any one of those places, I want to tell you something. This series on Esther is for you because you're going to be encouraged by God in a very unique way like you've never been encouraged by him before. In fact, I believe with all of my heart that during this series, there are going to be people in this very room who are gonna get the call from God. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this church is gonna get a call from God and God is gonna ask us, will you step out and will you stand up for me? So the question is this, guys. Are we gonna be ready? And when that happens, what do we have to do to make sure that we're ready? If you're living and breathing This book of Esther is for you. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. And I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 55. And I'm just going to read two verses, but this is going to kind of set the foundation for where God is taking us. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Once again, Father, I need you to remind me today that I cannot live my life based on what I see. I need to focus on the things that I cannot see, the things that will last, the things that are of you. Today, let me hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. All right, I hope you're ready for this, okay? Because I don't know about you, I don't ever like to sit around and just wait for things to happen. I know that God has brought all of us to this place for a reason here today, and God has a challenge for us, and it's gonna begin with the book of Esther. Now, the very first thing that I would say to you this morning is this, I'm gonna challenge you to read through the book of Esther in the next few weeks. The series is four weeks long, that's it. So we have three more weeks after this. But I encourage you just to go and take a chapter or two and read it. It's found in the Old Testament. It's found before the book of Nehemiah, in between the book of Nehemiah and Job. It's just 10 short chapters long, okay? And I want to challenge you to read this book. And as you're reading it, here's my next challenge for you. See if you can find God's name anywhere in the book of Esther. Now, spoiler alert, okay? I ask you and I challenge you that because Esther is one of two books in the Bible that the name of God is not written in that book. Now, I know if you're thinking like me, I'm thinking, what's up with that? I mean, this is God's word. 
If it's a book about me, my name's going to be in every page, right? And that's what you would think. This is a book about God. This is his word. But we come to the book of Esther, and guess what? Not one time do we find his name. You know what? I would challenge you to go through the previous pages of the Old Testament and see if you can find a page without God's name on it or a reference to him, right? But I mean, think about this. From the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, we hear God speak. And God speaks when he does the mountains thunder. Remember what happened at Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments? Up at the top of the mountain, when he was getting the Ten Commandments, the whole earth shook. Remember with the Israelites, God led them with a cloud by the day and a pillar of fire by night. Remember how when they came to the Red Sea, this obstacle that they thought, there's no way we can get through this, and what did God do? He parted the sea. He did the same thing with the Jordan. Then there was the city of Jericho, this walled-in city. How are we supposed to do this, and what does God do? He knocks all of these walls down. Everywhere we go, we see God walking with thunderous footsteps, and now we come to the book of Esther, and nothing not even a whisper. God is silent. You can relate to that, can't you? Some of you in here. Maybe you've been on your knees and you've been praying and you've been asking and pleading with God and you get silence. You know he's with you because the Bible tells you that. But what makes it even worse is that all of your friends are calling you every day, oh, I got a fresh word from God. Oh, he's speaking to me in unbelievable ways. I know I'm walking in step with him. And you're sitting there and you're just looking up to the heavens and nothing. You know what we call this? We call this quiet providence. You know what quiet providence is? Quiet providence is the Lord God working behind the scenes, but orchestrating every scene so his plan comes to perfection. And that's what's happening in the book of Esther. God is behind the scenes. We don't hear his name, we don't hear his voice, but we sure see the evidence that he is working. And here's what I want to say to each of us here today. You may not be able to trace God, but you can trust him. You can trust God's heart. He will never leave you. Now you may think, well then why isn't he speaking to me? Here's one of the things that I would suggest to you. It's easy to hear somebody when they're yelling, right? But when somebody whispers to you, whispering causes intimacy. I remember when I was coaching, I would whistle, I would yell, whatever, and I got the guy's attention. But you know what I learned how you really get people's attention? When you're silent. When you whisper. And what I want you to know today beyond a shadow of the doubt that God is trying to get your attention. But he's not going to do it with screaming and shouting. He's going to do it with a whisper. Now guess what? That means you're going to have to listen and you're going to have to be in tune with him 
And here's what I mean. When God comes to you and gives you something to do, it's never about the assignment. It's always first about the alignment. Right now in your life, some of you are thinking, I'm not even sure what my life or what my purpose is all about. I'm not sure what God has for me. And you know what my fear for you would be? Is that when God comes for you or comes to ask you about what he wants you to join him is, you won't be ready. And so here's the first thing I want to say to you, and I say this to you because I love you dearly, but as I'm saying this to you, I'm hearing the words too. Align your life with Christ. And as you align your life with Christ, he will prepare you for what he has for you. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, it's not a big deal. I'm telling you something, it's a huge deal because I'm believing and I'm trusting and I already know that there's gonna come a time this year when God's gonna ask Central Community to stand up for him in an arena that is very unpopular. And there will be those who are in the world who are gonna point the finger and come after us. But the Lord God says, my eyes go to and fro looking to a heart that is totally dedicated to me. Will you join me in aligning yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, here's the challenge. Relief will come. Will you be a part of it? You know, right now there's a war going on in Ukraine, isn't there? Not very fun, is it? We have churches in the Church of God all through Ukraine. And you know what everybody's doing in Ukraine? What are they doing? They're pleading for what? Help. I never knew too much about this Ukrainian president, but you know what? He's my kind of guy. Did you hear what he said? The other day they said, hey, we'll get you out. You know what he said? I don't need, I don't, I need ammunition. I don't need a ride. But here's what he's simply saying. He says, I'm going to stay put. I'm going to stand firm, and I'm going to fight for what I believe in. And that's what exactly what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to stand firm and get in the battle. Well, what's the battle? Well, let's find out. Here's the first thing I want you to remember, okay? In Esther chapter 1, verse 12, we read these words. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. All right, here's where we begin. We begin our story in the capital of Susa. There's a king. His name is Xerxes. His dad was Darius. We're in the time of about 483 B.C., the Babylonians, under King Nebuchadnezzar, have been destroyed. They were the previous world empire. Now there's a new world empire, and King Xerxes is in control, and he has a queen, and her name is Vashti. So the story opens up right off the bat. We're all going to a party. But it's not just any party. This party lasts 180 days. Man, those Persians know how to party, don't they? But here's what happens. The king invites all of the nobles and all of the government officials 
For 180 days, he throws this feast, this party like nobody's ever seen. He gives them gold goblets to drink out of. He opens up the treasury of Persia so everyone can see, and they see not only the treasury of Persia, but they see all the loot that the king had gotten from all of the enemies that he's defeated, and they are amazed. I want you to understand this, and you need to know this for later on. Listen very carefully. King Xerxes had a secret plan in this party. And his plan was this. He wanted to sell his nobles and his officials and his government leaders on a military plan. What was that? He wanted to go after the Greeks. Now, a moment in history. Remember, we have the Babylonian Empire, then we have the Persian Empire, the Medes and the Persians, Then who comes next? It's the Greeks. The Greeks are the next great world empire, and following that comes the Roman government, which is the government that was in charge when Jesus was walking on the earth, okay? All right, now, back to our story. After this party is over, the king hasn't had enough partying, so he has another party. But this party lasts seven days. And he gives a feast for everyone that lives in the capital of Susa. And here was his rule. To the men, you can drink as much as you want, and nobody will ever tell you no. Meanwhile, Vashti is also having a party. Now, here's what you need to remember. In this culture, men and women never ate together. You know why? Because women were considered property. So the king is having a party. On the 187th day, he has an idea. Oh, this ought to be good, right? He's had way too much to drink, and he decides, he gets his buddies together, and he goes, go get Queen Vashti, my trophy wife, have her put on her crown and all of her regalia that she has, and bring her to me. I'm gonna show show her off in front of all of my friends. Now, you know what? Stupid boy, right? Not a very smart man, but that's what he wants to do. So here we come. He sends them to to get Vashti and bring Vashti in, and Vashti says, no, you didn't do this. So they come back, and can you imagine, these advisors go back to King Xerxes. He goes, well, where is she? Uh, She's not coming. What? She's not coming. What? She's not coming. He was furious. So what did he do? He does what every guy does when he's mad at his wife or his girlfriend. He calls his buddies. And his advisors come in, and the advisors really don't care too much about Vashti and King Xerxes, but this is what they say to the king. Dude, I don't know if they said dude. (laughs) But he said, dude, listen, if your wife does that to you, can you imagine what all of our wives are going to do to us? And so the king made a decree, and here's what he said. Vashti is no more. She will never stand in my presence. She is kicked out of the kingdom. And then he sent a decree out to all of the men to read to their wives. Wives, respect your husband. I wonder how that went over. All right, now, we have a problem now. And the problem is there's no queen. There's no queen. And the king has to have his queen. I'm going to pause for a moment, and I just want to say to you, shh, listen. 
God is at work behind the scenes. Everything is happening according to his plan. And what he's saying to us is this, I'm at work. In your life right now, you may have no clue or understanding of why you are where you are in the circumstances that you find yourself. God has been silent, but here's what I want you to hear loud and clear from him. He is saying to you, I am orchestrating the scenes of your life. And I'm whispering to you, I'm at work. All right, now, I'm going to go back to the book of Genesis, and I want to ask you, how many of you remember when the Lord called Abraham out of the land of Ur? Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation, okay? I want you to listen to what God said to him, okay? Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Look at what it says. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All right, what's happening here? This is what God is saying to Abraham. He's saying, Abraham... Through the Jews, they're my nation, they're my people, and I am going to bless the world through them. That's what he's telling Abraham. And there's two ways that he tells us he's going to do it. Here's the first one. They would model a way of living that reflected their relationship with God. So here's what God is telling you. saying, Abraham, he goes, the way the people love their families, the way they love their neighbors, and the way they love me, people are going to see that. Here's the second thing. They would be the line through which Jesus, the Savior of the world, would be born. All right, now, here's what is really important to understand. So God is saying this to the Jewish people. You will be my example to show the rest of the world this is what worship looks like, this is what love works looks like, and this is what life is supposed to look like. And he's saying the same thing to you and I. As followers of Jesus Christ, here's what he's telling us. He's saying, I'm going to bless the world through each of you. And the world is going to see the way you worship. All right, and I want to pause there for a moment, okay? Can I just stop there for a second? I want to ask you something. So how does the world see you when you worship? Now, let's bring it even closer. How do the people in this room see you when you worship? Can I tell you something here? There are people in this room here today who are not believers yet. Okay? Are you clear with me? If you didn't know that, you need to know that. And you know what they're doing? You think they're watching me? They're not even watching Pastor Phil. They're watching you. And you know what they're watching? How do they worship? You see, you worship what you love. Can you imagine what happens when people come in this room and they see men and women on their feet, some of them raising their hands, some of them having on their knees before God, and they're worshiping him. Do you know what that says to everyone else? Man, look at how that guy worships his God. Look at how that woman worships her God. How come that guy doesn't move his lips? 
You know what I mean? So here's what I want you to know. What God said to us in the book of Genesis is true. In here today, our people who are watching the way we worship, the way we love, the way we live life. Why? Because it's a reflection of our relationship with God. Now, you know what happened to the Jews, don't you? They had another plan. And you know what their plan was? Remember what this happened? This is what they said. We want to be like the rest of the world. Do you remember that? Remember when they said that? They said, we want a king. And God said, they've just rejected me. And so I'll give them a king, and he gave them a man by the name of Saul. And from Saul all the way through, we have name after name after name after king. It got so bad that God divided the kingdom. But you know what I remember the most about all these kings? At the every, end of every king that you read about, except for one or two, here's what you hear. And this man did more sins than his father. And the people were taken farther and farther away from God. And so this is what God said. Time's up. It's time for punishment. And he brought in a group of people called the Babylonians, and the children of Israel went into exile for 70 years. He did that just to get their attention. Okay, now, here's where I want to tell you, okay? This is where we're at. Most of the people who were in exile have now returned home, but some did not. And you need to ask yourself this question, why didn't they go home? And you know what the answer is? Because life was easy and comfortable in Susa. What did they do? They believed the lie. My dear friends in Christ, you know this. The world lies to you. The world tells you you don't need the creator, you just need what he's created to give you everything you need. Here's what he's telling us. Pornography is harmless, an expression of sexuality. No big deal. Here's another one he tells us. Whoever dies with the most toys win. We have houses, we have cars, we have all of these things. I'm trying to find happiness. Or how about this one? A few drinks will just take the edge off of the day. No big deal. I know that hits home in here. Now, I know some of you may think, well, Pastor Bob, I don't do that. But how do you know that the world right now is believing the lie? Here's how I know. In the last two years, look at this fact. Here it is. Mental health hotline calls have increased 891%. It's because they're looking to something else besides God. Now, my friends, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. You know what? It's not natural for you to come to church. It's not natural for you to have a faith. Do you understand that? is our flesh is what wants to rule over us. But we understand what Jesus Christ did for us. So I go to church, not just because I have to be here, but I go to church because it's my witness. And every time you come to church and people drive by Maple and they see all those cars, that's a witness. Man, those people love their God. But you know what will make an even bigger witness is when we move into the community and we start making a difference. 
Mordecai and Esther, they stayed back in Susa. And they stayed there because they believed that this is where they could find their comfort and this is where they could find all of their needs met. But God had something else in store for them. And now I want to close with this. Here's what I want to remind you of is this. So, Pastor Bob, how does God want us to live and act in the world? Some people think, just blend in and assimilate. That's what some people think. And I will tell you, no. You know how God wants us to live in the world? He wants us to stand up and stand out. I want to say that again. He wants us to stand up and stand out. And he wants people to see this is who we are. We are followers of Jesus Christ. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven. And we are here to make a difference in the lives of our people in our community. Okay, now, here's what I want you to remember. Here's my challenge for you today. When God begins to move and God begins to work, he will come to you through another human being. I'm going to say that again. As you align yourself with God, God will make his move and he will come to you through the life of another human being. Now, here's the thing you need to remember. When God comes to you with what he wants to do in your life, it will appear as an obstacle. I want you to hear me. It will appear as an obstacle. Things like, God could never use you. You don't have the schooling that you're supposed to have. You don't have the job. You don't have the funds. You don't have the money. All of these things, Satan's going to bombard you with all the things and the reasons why you can't do it. When God comes and you know you can't do it, pay attention and align yourself with God and get ready because God is looking for a heart that is totally yielded to him and will recognize it's not about what I can do. It's about who I know, who lives in me, and there isn't anything I can't do because Christ lives in me. And so I'm challenging you, church. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for what God has for us? what God wants to do in and through you, it starts by aligning your life with him. You do your part, I'll do my part, and we'll rely on God to do the rest. Amen?